Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Oh, hi, hello, nerds. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am your host, the biggest nerd of all, Liv. And today I am here with the second half of book three of Ovid's Metamorphoses. Last time we heard some of the stories of Cadmus and Harmonious children and grandchildren, tragic transformations like Acteon and really important ones like Semele, not to mention just the founding of all of Thebes. But today we have even more of that House of Thebes, the line of Cadmus and Harmonia. Maybe Harmonia will be given a name this time. We have Echo and Narcissus. And then, then we have a whole lot of Dionysian goodness. 
called Bacchus here, of course. And as always, this is a stuffy old translation that obviously uses Roman names because Ovid was Roman. That's not the translation's fault. But all the same, we get to listen to more of this Ovidian goodness. So we just accept the old-timey translation and we Google Roman names if we're confused. It's all worth it in the end because Ovid. And today, Ovid and Dionysus. Bacchus, need I say more? Good, I won't. This is Ovid's Metamorphoses, translated by Brooks Moore, Book 3, Part 2. Tiresias' fame of prophecy was spread through all the cities of Aeonia, for his unerring answers unto all who listened to his words. And first of those who hearkened to his fateful prophecies, a lovely nymph named Liriope, came with her dear son, who, then fifteen, might seem a man or boy. He who was born to her upon the green merge of Cephasus' stream, that mighty river god whom she declared the father of her boy. She questioned him, imploring him to tell her if her son, unequaled for his beauty, whom she called Narcissus, might attain a ripe old age. To which the blind seer answered in these words, If he but fail to recognize himself, a long life he may have beneath the sun. So frivolous the prophet's words appeared, and yet the event, the manner of his death, the strange delusion of his frenzied love confirmed it. Three times five years so were passed. Another five years, and the lad might seem a young man or a boy, and many a youth and many a damsel sought to gain his love, but such his mood and spirit and his pride, none gained his favor. Once a noisy nymph, who never held her tongue when others spoke, who never spoke till others had begun— Mocking Echo spied him as he drove in his delusive nets some timid stags. For Echo was a nymph in olden time, and more than vapid sound possessed a form, and she was then deprived the use of speech, except to babble and repeat the words once spoken over and over. Juno confused her silly tongue, because she often held that glorious goddess with her endless tales, till many a hapless nymph from Jove's embrace had made escape adown a mountain. But for this the goddess might have caught them. Thus the glorious Juno when she knew her guile. Thus the glorious Juno said when she knew her guile. Your tongue, so freely wagged at my expense, shall be of little use, your endless voice much shorter than your tongue. At once the nymph was stricken as the goddess had decreed, and ever since she only mocks the sounds of others' voices, or perchance returns their final words. One day, when she observed Narcissus wandering in the pathless woods, 
She loved him, and she followed him with soft and stealthy tread. The more she followed him, the hotter did she burn, as when the flame flares upward from the sulphur on the torch. Oh, how she longed to make her passion known, to plead in soft entreaty, to implore his love. But now, till others have begun, a mute of nature she must be. She cannot choose but wait the moment when his voice may give her to an answer. Presently the youth, by chance, divided from his trusty friends, cries loudly, Who is here? And Echo, Here, replies, amazed. He casts his eyes around and calls with louder voice, Come here! Come here, she calls the youth who calls. He turns to see who calls him, and beholding not, exclaims, Avoid me not! Avoid me not! returns. He tries again, again, and is deceived by this alternate voice, and calls aloud, Oh, let us come together! Echo cries, Oh, let us come together! Never sound seemed sweeter to the nymph, and from the woods she hastened in accordance with her words and strives to wind her arms around his neck. He flies from her, and as he leaves her, says, Take off your hands, you shall not fold your arms around me. Better death than such a one could ever caress me. Not, she answers, save, Caress me. Thus rejected, she lies hid in the deep woods, hiding her blushing face with the green leaves, and ever after lives concealed, in lonely caverns in the hills. But her great love increases with neglect, her miserable body wastes away, wakeful with sorrows. Leanness shrivels up her skin, and all her lovely features melt, as if dissolved upon the wafting winds. Nothing remains except her bones and voice. Her voice continues in the wilderness, her bones have turned to stone. She lies concealed in the wild woods, nor is she ever seen on lonely mountain range, for, though we hear her calling in the hills, tis but a voice, a voice that lives, that lives among the hills. Thus he deceived the nymph and many more, sprung from the mountains or the sparkling waves, and thus he slighted many an amorous youth. And therefore, some one whom he once despised, lifting his hands to heaven, implored the gods. If he should love, deny him what he loves. And as the prayer was uttered, it was heard by Nemesis, who granted her assent. There was a fountain, silver clear and bright, which neither shepherds nor the wild she-goats that range the hills nor any cattle's mouth had touched, its waters were unsullied, birds disturbed it not, nor animals, nor boughs that fall so often from the trees. Around sweet grasses nourished by the stream grew, trees that shaded from the sun let balmy airs temper its waves. Here Narcissus, tired of hunting in the heated noon, lay down, attracted by the peaceful solitudes and by the glassy spring. There, as he stooped to quench his thirst, another thirst increased. While he is drinking, he beholds himself reflected in the mirrored pool, and loves, loves an imagined body which contains no substance, 
for he deems the mirrored shade a thing of life to love. He cannot move, for so he marvels at himself, and lies with countenance unchanged, as if indeed a statue carved of Parian marble. Long supine upon the bank, his gaze is fixed on his own eyes, twin stars. His fingers, shaped as Bacchus might desire, his flowing hair as glorious as Apollo's, and his cheeks youthful and smooth, his ivory neck, his mouth dreaming in sweetness, his complexion fair and blushing as the rose in snowdrift white. All that is lovely in himself he loves, and in his witless way he wants himself. He who approves this is equally approved. He seeks is sought, he burns, and he is burnt. And how he kisses the deceitful fount, and how he thrusts his arms to catch the neck that's pictured in the middle of the stream. Yet never may he wreathe his arms around the image of himself. He knows not what he there beholds, but what he sees inflames his longing, and the error that deceives allures his eyes. But why, O oh foolish boy, so vainly catching at this flitting form? The cheat that you are seeking has no place. Avert your gaze, and you will lose your love, for this that holds your eyes is nothing save the image of yourself reflected back to you. It comes and waits with you. It has no life. It will depart if you will only go. Nor food nor rest can draw him thence. Outstretched upon the overshadowed green, his eyes fixed on the mirrored image, never may know their longings satisfied. And by their sight he is himself undone. Raising himself a moment, he extends his arms around and beckoning to the murmuring forest, Oh, ye isled wood, was ever man in love more fatally than I? Your silent paths have sheltered many a one whose love was told, and you have heard their voices. Ages vast have rolled away since your forgotten birth. But who is he through all those weary years that ever pined away as I? Alas, this fatal image wins my love as I behold it. But I cannot press my arms around the form I see, the form that gives me joy. What strange mistake has intervened between us and our love? It grieves me more that neither lands nor seas nor mountains know nor walls with closed gates deny our love. But only a little water keeps us far asunder. Surely he desires my love and my embraces, as oft I strive to kiss him. Bending to the limpid stream my lips, so often does he hold his face fondly to me, and vainly struggles up. It seems that I could touch him. Tis a strange delusion that is keeping us apart, whoever art thou, come up, deceive me not. Oh, where are you? Ah, uh, surely I am young and fair. The nymphs have loved me, and when I behold your smiles, I cannot tell you what sweet hopes arise. When I extend my loving arms to yours, they are also extended to me. Your smiles return my own. When I was weeping, I have seen your tears, and every sign I make you return. And often your sweet lips have seemed to move that... 
peradventure words which I have never heard you have returned. No more my shade deceives me. I perceive it's you. I love myself. The flame arises in my breast and burns my heart. What shall I do? Shall I at once implore, or should I linger till my love is sought? What is it I implore? The thing that I desire is mine. Abundance makes me poor. Oh, I am tortured by a strange desire unknown to me before, for I would fain put off this mortal form, which only means I wish the object of my love away. Grief saps my strength, the sands of life are run, and in my early youth I am cut off. But death is not my bane, it ends my woe. I would not death for this that is my love, as two united in a single soul would die as one. He spoke, and crazed with love, returned to view the same face in the pool, and as he grieved, his tears disturbed the stream, and ripples on the surface, glassy clear, defaced his mirrored form. And thus the youth, when he beheld that lovely shadow go, Ah, where do you go? Oh, I must entreat you, leave me not! Oh, you cruel boy, you forsake your lover. Stay with me that I may see your lovely form, for though I may not touch you, I shall feed my eyes and soothe my wretched pains. And while he spoke, he rent his garments from the upper edge, and beating on his naked breast, all white as marble, every stroke produced a tint as lovely as the apple streaked with red, or as the glowing grape when purple bloom touches the ripening clusters, when as glass again the rippling waters smoothed, and when such beauty in the stream the youth observed, no more could he endure. And in the flame the yellow wax, or as the hoar-frost melts in the early morning, beneath the genial sun, so did he pine away, by love consumed, and slowly wasted by a hidden flame. No vermeil bloom now mingled in the white of his complexion fair, no strength has he, no vigor, nor the comeliness that wrought for love so long. Alas! That handsome form by Echo fondly loved may please no more. But when she saw him in his hapless plight, though angry at his scorn, she only grieved, as often as the love-lore boy complained, Alas, alas! Her echoing voice returned, and as he struck his hands against his arms, she ever answered with her echoing sounds, and as he gazed upon the mirrored pool, he said at last, Ah, youth beloved, in vain, in vain, in vain, the spot returned his words, and when he breathed a sad farewell, farewell, sighed Echo too. He laid his wearied head and rested on the verdant grass, and those bright eyes which had so loved to gaze entranced on their own master's beauty, sad night closed. And now, although among the nether shades his sad sprite roams, he ever loves to gaze on his reflection in the Stygian wave. His naiad sisters mourned, and having clipped their shining tresses, laid them on his corpse, and all the dryads mourned, and Echo made lament anew. And these would have upraised his funeral pyre, and waved the flaming torch, and made his beer, but as they turned their eyes where he had been, alas, he was not there, 
and in his body's place a sweet flower grew, golden and white, the white around the gold. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Narcissus's fate, when known throughout the land and cities of Achaia, added fame deserved to blind Tiresias, mighty seer. Yet Pentheus, bold despiser of the god, son of Echion, scoffed at all his praise, and soul of man deriding the great seer upbraided him his hapless loss of sight, and shaking his white temples, hoar with age. Tiresias of Pentheus prophesied, O glad the day to you, if light denied your eyes, most fortunate should not behold the Bacchanalian rites. The day will come, and soon the light will dawn, when Bacchus, born of Semele, shall make his advent known. All hail the new god Bacchus. 
Either you must build a temple to this deity or shall be torn asunder. Your remains throughout the forest scattered will pollute the wood with sanguinary streams, and your life blood bespatter with corrupting blots your frenzied mother and her two sisters. And all shall come to pass as I have told, because you will not honor the new god, and you shall wail and marvel at the sight of blind Tiresias, though veiled in night. And as he spoke, O oh, Pentheus drove the seer, but all his words prophetic were fulfilled, and confirmation followed in his steps. Bacchus at once appears, and all the fields resound with shouts of everybody there. Men, brides, and matrons, and a howling rout, nobles and commons, and the most refined, a motley multitude, resistless born to join those rites of Bacchus, there begun. Then Pentheus cries, What madness, O oh, you brave descendants of the dragon, sons of Mars, what frenzy has confounded you? Can sounds of clanging brass prevail, and pipes and horns and magical delusions, drunkenness, and yelling women, and obscene displays and hollow drums overcome you? Whom the sword nor troops of war nor trumpet could affright? How shall I wonder at these ancient men who, crossing boundless seas from distant Tyr, here transferred their exiled household gods and founded a new Tyr, but now are shorn and even as captives would be led away without appeal to Mars? And, O oh, young men of active prime whose vigor equals mine, Cast down your ivy scepters, take up arms, put on your helmets, strip your brows of leaves. Be mindful of the mighty stock you are, and let your souls be animated with the spirit of this dauntless dragon, which, unaided, slew so many and at last died to defend his fountain and his lake, so you may conquer in this hope of fame." He gave the brave to death, but with your arms you shall expel the worthless and enhance the glory of your land. If fate decrees the fall of Thebes, oh, let the engines of war and men pull down its walls and let the clash of steel and roaring flames resound. Thus, blameless in great misery, our woes would not be the theme of lamentations known to story, and our tears would shame us not. But now an unarmed boy will conquer Thebes, a lad whom neither weapons, wars, nor steeds delight, whose ringlets reek with myrrh, adorned with chaplets, purple and embroidered robes of interwoven gold? Make way for me, and I will soon compel him to confess his father is assumed, and all his rights are frauds. If in days gone Acrisius so held this vain god in deserved contempt, and shut the Argive gates against his face, why therefore should not Pentheus close the gates of Thebes with equal courage? Hence away, fetch the vile leader of these rioters in chains. Let not my mandate be delayed. Him to restrain his grandsire... Cadmus strove, and Athamas and many of his trusted friends united in vain efforts to rebuke his reckless rage. 
but greater violence was gained from every admonition. His rage increased the more it was restrained, and injury resulted from his friends. So have I seen a stream in open course run gently on its way with pleasant noise, but who whensoever logs and rocks detained it foamed with violence increased against obstruction. Presently returning came his servants, stained with blood, to whom he said, What have you done with Bacchus? And to him they made reply, Not Bacchus have we seen, but we have taken his attendant lad, the chosen servant of his sacred rites. And they delivered to the noble king a youth, whose hands were lashed behind his back. Then Pentheus, terrible in anger, turned his awful gaze upon the lad, and though he scarce deferred his doom, addressed him thus. Doomed to destruction, you are soon to give example to my people by your death. Tell me your name. What are your parents called? Where is this land? And where are the Bacchanalian rites? But fearless, he replied, they call me Achetes, and Meonia is the land from where I came. My parents were so poor, my father left me neither fruitful fields tilled by the lusty ox, nor fleecy sheep, nor lowing kine, for he himself was poor, and with his hook and line was wont to catch the leaping fishes landed by his rod. His skill was all his wealth. And when to me he gave his trade, he said, You are the heir of my employment, therefore unto you all that is mine I'll give. And at his death he left me nothing but the running waves. They are the sum of my inheritance. And after a while, that I might not be bound forever to my father's rocky shores, I learned to steer the keel with dexterous hand, and, marked with watchful gaze the guiding stars, the watery constellation of the goat, Olenian and the Bear, the Hyades, the Pleiades, the Houses of the Winds, and every harbor suitable for ships. So chanced it, as I made for Delos, first I veered close to the shores of Chios, there I steered by plying on the starboard oar, and nimbly leaping gained the sea-wet strand. Now when the night was past and lovely dawn appeared, I rose from slumber, and I bade my men to fetch fresh water, and I showed the pathway to the stream. Then did I climb a promontory's height to learn from there the promise of the winds, which, having done, I called the men and sought once more my ship. Opheltes, first of my companions, cried, Behold, we come, and, thinking he had caught a worthy prize in that unfruitful land, he led a boy, a virgin beauty formed, across the shore. Heavy with wine and sleep, the lad appeared to stagger on his way, with difficulty moving. When I saw the manner of his dress, his countenance and grace, I knew it was not a mortal man, and being well assured, I said to them, What deity appears in that form, I cannot say, but it's a god, in truth. Oh, whoever you are, vouchsafe to us propitious waters, ease our toils, and grant to us your grace. At this, the one of all my mariners, who was the quickest hand, who ever was the nimblest on the yards, and first to slip the ropes, Dictus exclaimed, Pray not for us! And all approved his words. The golden-haired, the guardian of the prow, Melanthus, 
Libis and Alcmedon approved it, and Opopius, who should urge the flagging spirits, and with rhythmic chants give time and measure to the beating oars, and all the others praised their leader's words. So blind is greed of gain. Then I rejoined, Mine is the greatest share in this good ship, which I will not permit to be destroyed nor injured by this sacred freight, and I opposed them as they came. Then Lycabas, the most audacious of that impious crew, began a rage. He was a criminal who, for a dreadful murder, had been sent in exile from a Tuscan city's gates. Whilst I opposed, he gripped me by the throat and shook me as would cast me in the deep. Had I not firmly held a rope, half stunned, and all that wicked crew approved the deed. Then Bacchus, be assured it was the god, as though the noise disturbed his lethargy from wine, and reason had regained its power, at last spoke to the men. What deeds are these? What noise assails my ears? What means decoyed my wandering footsteps? Where do you lead? Fear not, the steersman said, but tell us fair the haven of your hope, and you shall land wherever your heart desires. To Naxos go, Bacchus said, for it is indeed my home, and there the mariner finds welcome cheer. Him to deceive, they pledged themselves and swore by gods of seas and skies to do his will, and they commanded me to steer that way. The Isle of Naxos was upon our right, and when they saw the sails were set that way, they all began to shout at once, What ho, the, the madman, what insanity is this, Achates? Make our passage to the left. And all the while they made their meaning known by artful signs or whispers in my ears, I was amazed and answered, Take the helm! And I refused to execute their will, atrocious, and at once resigned command. Then all began to murmur, and the crew reviled me. Up Ethalion jumped and said, As if our only safety is in you! With this he swaggered up and took command, and, leaving Naxos, steered for other shores. Then Bacchus, mocking them, as if, but then he had discovered their deceitful ways, looked on the ocean from the rounded stern and seemed to sob as he addressed the men. Ah, mariners, what alien shores are these? It's not the land you promised, nor the port my heart desires. For what have I deserved this cruel wrong? What honor can accrue if strong men mock a boy, a lonely youth, if so many should deceive? And as he spoke, I also wept to see their wickedness. The impious gang made merry at our tears, and lashed the billows with their quickening oars. By Bacchus do I swear to you, and no god is more potent. All the things I tell you are true, as they surpass the limit of belief. The ship stood still, as if a dry dock held it in the sea. The wandering sailors labored at the oars, and they unfurled the sails in hopes to gain some headway with redoubled energies, but twisting ivy tangled in the oars, and interlacing held them by its weight. And Bacchus, in the midst of all, stood crowned with chaplets of grape leaves, and shook a lance covered with twisty fronds of leafy vines. Around him crouched the visionary forms of tigers, lynxes, and the mottled shapes of panthers. Then the mariners leaped out, possessed by fear or madness, 
meat on first began to turn a swarthy hue and fins grew outward from his flattened trunk and with a curving spine his body bent. Then Lycabas, to him, what prodigy is this that I behold? Even as he spoke, his jaws were broadened and his nose was bent, his hardened skin was covered with bright scales. And Libis, as he tried to pull the oars, could see his own hands shrivel into fins. Another of the crew began to grasp the twisted ropes, but even as he strove to lift his arms, they fastened to his sides. With bending body and a crooked back, he plunged into the waves, and as he swam, displayed a tail, as crescent as the moon. Now, here, now there, they flounce about the ship, they spray her decks with brine, they raise and sink, they rise again and dive beneath the waves. They seem in sportive dance upon the main. Out from their nostrils they spout sprays of brine, they toss their supple sides. And I alone, of twenty mariners that manned that ship, remained. A cold chill seized my limbs. I was so frightened. But the gracious God now spoke to me. Fear not and steer for Naxos! And when we landed there, I ministered on smoking altars, Bacchanalian rites. But Pentheus answered him, A parlor tale, and we have listened to the dreary end, hoping our anger might consume its rage. Away with him, hence drag him, hurl him out with dreadful torture into Stygian night. Quickly they seized and dragged Achates forth, and cast him in a dungeon triple strong. And while they fixed the instruments of death, kindled the fires and wrought the cruel irons, the legend says. Though no one aided him, the chains were loosened and slipped off his arms. The doors flew open of their own accord. But Pentheus, long persisting in his rage, not caring to command his men to go, himself went forth to Mount Kithiron, where resound with singing and with shrilly note the votaries of Bacchus at their rites. And when with sounding brass the trumpeter alarms of war, the metalled charger neighs and scents the battle, so the clamored skies resounding with the dreadful outcries fret the wrath of Pentheus and his rage in flame. About the middle of the mount, with groves around its margin, was a treeless plain where nothing might conceal. Here, as he stood to view the sacred rites with impious eyes, his mother saw him first. She was so wrought with frenzy that she failed to know her son and cast her thyrsus that it wounded him and shouted, Hi, come here, oh, come here, my two sisters. A great boar has strayed into our field. Come, see me strike and wound him. And as Pentheus flew from them in fright, the raging multitude rushed after him, and as they gathered round, in cowardice he cried for mercy and condemned himself, confessing he had sinned against a god. And as they wounded him, he called his aunt, Atonui, have mercy, let the shade of sad Actian move you to relent. No pity moved her when she heard that name. In a wild frenzy she forgot her son. While Pentheus was imploring her, she tore his right arm out. Her sister Ino wrenched the other from his trunk. 
He could not stretch his arms out to his mother, but he cried, Behold me, mother! When Agawe saw his bleeding limbs torn, scattered on the ground, she howled and tossed her head and shook her hair that streamed upon the breeze, and when his head was wrenched out from his mangled corpse, she clutched it with her blood-smeared fingers while she shouted, Oh, companions, victory! The victory is ours! So when the wind strips from a lofty tree its leaves, which touched by autumn's cold are loosely held, they fall not quicker than the wretch's bleeding limbs were torn asunder by their cursed hands. Now, frightened by this terrible event, the women of Ismenus celebrate the new Bacantian rites, and they revere the sacred altars heaped with frankincense. Oh, nerds, nerds, nerds. That was so much fun. That's like Dionysus and the pirates and Euripides is fucking back eye, all as told by Ovid. I mean, wah, what a wonderful thing to listen to. I fucking love reading these aloud. It is so much fun for me. And I love hearing that you all love it too. And we all get to experience like as best possible, given the old translation, these full ancient sources. Whew. Again, if you want more of it, I do recommend the new translation by Stephanie McCarter. I haven't read it all yet, but I've spoken to Stephanie on the past on a past episode, and I've read uh, just even oh my God that Arachne bit, Whew, and I'm just thrilled with how she went about the translation, and even more thrilled with the bits that I, I have read. It's it's really readable. Like that's the main selling point I think for everyone listening to me. And add to that that she actually you know like translates women accurately and without like additional misogyny like what a dream find that wherever you get your books let's talk about myths baby is written and produced by me Liv albert michaela smith is the hermes to my olympians and handles so many podcast related things it's truly endless i couldn't do it without her by this point oh my god she's keeping me alive stephanie foley works to transcribe the podcast for youtube captions and accessibility the podcast is hosted and monetized by acast Help me continue bringing you the world of Greek myth and the ancient Mediterranean by becoming a patron, where you'll get bonus episodes and more. Visit patreon.com slash mythsbaby or click the link in this episode's description. Thank you all. You're the best. I am Liv and I love this shit. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com. 
where America goes to hire. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.